please. Oh, uh, Houston, we've had a problem. We've had a main B bus undervolt. Roger, main B undervolt. Okay, stand by 13, we're looking at it. Welcome to Positive Arse Talks, hosted by Mike. The show that talks all things Arsenal, looking to build a positive relationship amongst the fans and players. Grab your cup of tea and stick around with me. It's Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, Episode 2, Missing KT and the Tale of a Cup Game. Welcome to Episode Number 2. Hope you all had a great weekend and were able to soak in the beautiful fall weather. I know that I sure did. Well, that's not fair, since I'm biased and love the winter, but... Anywho, today's talking points include discussing our second English Premier League game from Match Day 2, including our London rivals, West Ham United. It was our first London Derby this year, and we won 2-1, as well as today's uh, Carabao Cup match against Leicester, and we ended up winning that match 2-0. And so, here we go, guys. Uh, essentially, we won 2-1 against West Ham. We'll do the Premier League match first, and then we'll go into the Carabao Cup afterwards. Just still trying to figure out how to go about the dynamic of the show, what talking points I want to do, and I think I'm just going to do match by match, and then maybe as the crowd and fans grow and you guys want to keep listening or something maybe we'll start up a discord page and i could set up a questionnaire or thread for people to ask me questions that i can answer on the show otherwise you know they're just going to end a little bit earlier or sooner than others and the fact that i don't have guests on right now is making it just a tad bit faster than other podcast uh i guess we'll say with sports bias but um yeah let's get right into it so the starting mat uh lineup was <clears throat> exactly the same as it was the week prior against fulham except we made two changes so the first change came in with uh bukayo saka coming in for ainsley mayton niles and we left him on the left wing back and unfortunately, during pre-match warm-ups, it's in the title. Kieran Tierney ended up hurting his hip and his leg before the match, and so prior to kickoff, Kolasinac filled in that spot because I don't know the exact t- time frame, but I remember watching the game live. They had mentioned it about 15 minutes before the match started, so it must have been some type of time between them. But we have good news for Kieran Tierney towards the end. Apparently it's not that bad of an injury, and he's in contention to play the next Premier League match, which will be against Liverpool on Monday. Uh, so... Yeah, we'll just kind of go through how I did last time, and um, actually this time, before I even go into individual ratings and stuff, I think it's best if I actually just talk about the game and stuff that happened during the game, and then we'll go into specific players as I talk about the match, and I'll just add some points that I thought about them, some notes I took down, um... Quite a few were on class and match this week, but I can't even really blame him that much. He was kind of just pushed into the position. Usually people are mentally ready to come into games, and I know that if I was told 10 minutes or 15 minutes before a game is supposed to start, and I was just kind of warming up playing as a sub, uh, you know, I might get a little nervous, and I might not be match fit or ready because my mindset wasn't there. But that's just me personally. But in the first half, it was kind of rough. We were just giving away the ball, um, and our players just weren't picking up their heads. I don't know at a professional level. I guess I realized that when I was playing in high school and college and elementary school, just that whole entire time that I was playing, I remember I used to get scolded if I had my head down at my feet with the ball in it. And it it just wasn't going to ever 
be tolerated by some of my coaches. And it kind of instilled this fear to me that, okay, if I have the ball at my feet, I can look down, I can make sure I settled the ball or something, but I got to look up immediately. I got to make sure that the ball is kind of set, settled by my foot. I got to look where I'm passing. I got to see where the open man is. I got to track to see where the other team's defense is and stuff. And um, pretty much uh, two of the guys that I saw were having confusion were the three in the back. And we had... Holding on the right side and Klasnach on the left side. And Holding was having some complications with um, Ceballos playing in the middle. And I'm not sure what was going on there. Um, I saw, like, I think Ceballos has something engraved into his memory to know where certain or particular players will go to. Uh, in a certain area of the pitch. So whenever we were in the defensive third, it looked like holding should have been to the touchline, and we should have pushed Bellerin up a little more to bring in the right wing to pinch in and make the opposing team's left back actually follow that right wing so that Bellerin has a safe sail to overlap down the line and maybe a ball could get put over but that option wasn't happening right away and I noticed a few times that Ceballos was trying to play a ball to the touch line and holding is so used to playing a center to our center back role that he's already coming back he's he's pushing back I mean he's gonna come back behind the play and let the midfielder do what he's got to do and I can understand that but I also understand from Ceballos' standpoint that if you're going to be pa passing all these balls, you know, to the touchline and the guy's not there when you expect it, you know, that just might be a communication or awareness error. But again, it, it falls into the category of pick your damn head up because the ball's just getting played out and then we look silly. But... One thing I noticed too, um, Kalasinach, every time he got the ball and... I mean, let's be honest, guys. This the same thing was happening last year and the year prior. Kalasnatch likes to play one-time balls all of a sudden for whatever reason. Uh, maybe there's certain times that you could do that, but I think there's other times that you could actually settle the ball and find a better pass or play to bring that into somebody. And he would just receive the ball from Shaka or Ceballos or another center back. And, of course, his first his first thoughts to just go back. He's not going to look forward really too much. And I don't blame him because, again, I just spoke about the whole mental aspect of coming into the game late and not realizing that you're about to start and it all just gets thrown on your plate all at once. And I can understand that, you know. It gets people nervous, so I'll give you a pass. But there were just other times, too. that it, There was a ball that came down to him on the left-hand side between an overlap run between him, Aubameyang, and Saka, and he had a clear open play to just... Now, don't get me wrong, he's left-footed, so he shouldn't be doing this, but he ran towards the touchline to cross the ball into the middle, and that thing just soared over the net and was miskicked and it's just kind of like you know if you don't if you just take your time and relax yourself and think about what play you're actually about to commit to uh you can get some better results but again i think it was just that nervous behavior that had him screwing up a few times throughout the game and like I said, I can understand just because of, given the situation of what happened prior to events of coming into the game, maybe his game would have been different if he came in as a sub because he's like, ah, oh, this is my moment to show Mikel my chance. Like, this is what I could do. But then you're just kind of thrown into that position and somebody else got hurt prior that you knew you weren't starting for. Kind of screws you up mentally, and so I can understand that uh, another person i noticed for the first 20 minutes Saka was giving up the ball a lot or he was just kind of off sides a lot uh you know there were certain decisions made where he would start to make his run too fast before another person or player acknowledged that 
and by the time the ball would be passed to him, it was just kind of like already going out of bounds, or he was off sides, or he wasn't tracking back, or again, he wasn't picking up his head a few times either. There were a few passes in the first half for that first 20 minutes that I was just kind of like, you better pick up your damn head, boy. But, you know, he made up for it as the game progressed, and... We just kind of showed up slow to the Emirates. Uh, you know, this kind of happens to us, in a sport, especially against a London Derby team. You know, another team based in London. It's not going to be easy. We're, we're fighting for something. What color is London? Well, today we can say London's red. But, you know, in that time frame or the span of when the game's being played, uh, you can't really justify how it's going to come out. And especially West Ham came out last game that they played and they lost awfully to Newcastle. I mean, if you look at both of those games, I was able to watch the one prior. It looked like a brand new West Ham was out there. And I guess David Moyes was able to pep some step into these guys and kind of instill some confidence and hard work and say, look, we, we got to get a result from this game. Because let's be honest, for the first about 25 minutes, they were looking real lethal. But... In the 24th minute, or like close to the 25th minute, our first goal, which put us up one nothing, came from a ball from Saka, who had passed the ball to Aubameyang and found space in between defenders to put Aubameyang behind the defense on the left side. And Aubameyang was able to play the ball in, play across, Nobody moved because everybody assumed that Aubameyang was offside from the West Ham line, but this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with, you better play until the whistle's blown, because if not, you might be eating shit after that. I mean, let's just be honest, because you can assume things all you want, but if you just stop playing, like you're giving a clear pass to the other player. So basically all Lacazette had to do was be there in the middle, get a tap right directly in his head, and, uh, I mean, I don't know if there was a glitch for the United States viewers, but when I was watching the game, the ball wasn't even hitting Lacazette's head yet, and I wonder if there was maybe some time frame delay with the video and stuff, but I think it was uh, Lee Nixon, if I'm not mistaken, was the one that announced that Oh, the ball's going into the middle. Oh, it's a goal for Lacazette. And the ball didn't even hit his head yet. So, again, might be like a delay. But, yeah, it was awesome. We got our first goal from that. It was good. We actually had a lot of heat of pressure from uh, West Ham that entire time up until that point. They were looking pretty lethal. But then we came through and were able to pull through with the first goal of the first half. Um, but... We had good pressure towards the end of the first half, and after we scored up until like the 40th minute, but then we lost shape as West Ham were tightly organized and able to dump the ball over the halfway line on switches to Michael Antonio to hold possession, win fails, or win throws. I mean, let me tell you, if I'm one to judge who's got the bigger thighs in the league, it's between him and Adama Traore, and if I'm standing next to either one of them, I'm a little scared because they're both fast as hell. They are really fast, and I wouldn't want to mess with them, so kudos to Rob Holding, who had to pretty much mark that man the entire time, and once we get the Traore, he's usually on the right side, so that would be Kieran Tierney, given that he's healthy. But, that's not the fact of the matter. Up until the 45th minute, we saw a goal come in from West Ham, and the goal came from our attack in their box, which was held up by the defense, and the defense was able to spot Williams' ball into the middle. Um, West Ham's defender then laid the ball off for the keeper, who booted the ball to the left midfielder for Nails, who pulled it back and allowed Suchek who was standing there right in the middle. It was like a holding midfielder position. Suchek was able to switch the ball to Bowen. And for whatever reason, when that ball came out to Bowen, it looked like Shaka dropped off from that 50-50 ball. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was with Sochek. He, he like dropped off with that 50-50 ball with Sochek when he could have... 
probably contested for a little bit, but he backed off. And what happened was the ball went from Suchek to Bowen, and then as Shaka held off, Kolasinac also held off a bit too, when if Shaka was pulling away, maybe Shaka could have just actually told Kolasinac, hey, look, go out to the ball that's going out to the right side, uh, go attack the ball, I'm going to go fill in for left back. And it seems like he's usually doing that anyways whenever we go into an attack, because he'll fill in that left back gap, uh, given that Tierney, when he's in, will go push forward with Aubameyang and whoever else is in that rope uh, in front of him. But today it was Kolasinac, and he wasn't really up too much, so both of them were back. But... Uh, Bowen had the opportunity to get the ball to Fredericks on the overlap because neither of them attacked the ball, and Kolasinac was too slow to get into the ball that was being crossed by Fredericks, in which case Antonio was able to slip in from the middle in between Gabriel and Holding to beat Holding to the ball for a simple tap in from the six-yard box. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, it's a great goal for the other team you know that's that's great that they were able to do that not so great for arsenal because of how we composed ourselves and had all of the possession in the half and then we give up some silly fails which led to that mess happening and then just poor defensive errors of not knowing or being aware of when you should go to the ball, when you should drop off from the ball, when you should tell somebody else to go into a different position or attack. You know, there's slack of communication and stuff there. And then the fact that Antonio got in between both Gabriel and Holding just kind of put the cherry on top that it's just like, all right, guys, come on. Come on, we got to find shape. we got to find out what's our next plan of attack. How are we going to deal with this threat? He's fast. He's smart. He knows how to get in between players. He's challenging for every ball that's came in so far. we got to figure out a plan. But that pretty much ended the first half, and we were stuck at 1-1. So then the second half began, and attacking pressure from both ends from about the 45th to the 51st minute was just constant. It kept going back and forth. But one moment I noticed, Kolasinach made one decent run to overlap up Aubameyang, but... He always has these options to do so, but he just sits there in the middle instead of going to the touchline. I think that's what we're missing really bad, because if Kieran Tierney was out there right now, well, for the game, not right now, but if he was out there for the game, we would have noticed that Kieran Tierney was able to overlap and be on the touchline and pose a bigger threat from the wideout position to kind of make defenders come out to him, or either just leave him out there and it's just an open man to pull in crosses. Plus, he's left-footed, so there's no excuse that he shouldn't be able to do that. But for whatever reason, he kept, like, going into the middle area of where Sokka would be, and then Sokka would get confused and either have to go closer towards the center of the net, or he would have to be the one to try and go out to the wide position, but it would be so so unorganized and it would all happen so fast that he couldn't position himself any faster than that but he was just sitting in the middle the entire time but Kolasinac should have just went back to left back or give something on the touchline like I said but then a ball came out the socket and it laid it off to Kolasinac expecting a return through ball during his run and went back with it and you know that's that's one of the downfalls that you get with Kolasinac. This happened in the second half, and I can understand certain players' frustrations, and then that same ball that was tracked back was sent over to the right side, in which case I believe it was William that went ahead and tried to play a switch ball to Saka, but then he was already off sides because he was pissed off about the ball that it wasn't played to him before. And it's just like... You know, we got to start being a little bit more audacious, but I understand from trying to get back our shape, uh, make sure that we're in the proper positions, make sure that we can reset, get a formation lined up, and try to play a new offensive threat the next time. But, yeah, it's just something Kolasinac has to work on, but, again, he's just really nervous. You could see it, and he's not so confident with his feet at the ball. I mean... 
how many times did you play like a one-time pass and it was just like can you can you take a second instead of trying to make somebody else run or fix for your mistakes or like take a second to hold possession and just just look just look just take a look forward in front of you where the line of possession would be going towards the opposing team's net and if you don't see anything that's fine but when you literally receive the ball and you're just looking back at defense or like your first option is already going either to Gabriel who's playing in the middle of center back or Leno it's like come on man we gotta we gotta try to enforce some type of attacking nature and again he's nervous but you know you're you're a professional player like I also think that you should have some type of awareness when to and when not to go up. But yeah, it's just like a silly offsides came from that because one player was a little bit lazy to come back onsides because they were so pissed off and frustrated about what happened before them. But again, I'm okay with getting shaped, but if you have a full press going on and there's more Arsenal players going against the West Ham United players, you're kind of wasting an opportunity to try and get that counterattack. But We'll see what happens going forward. If Kieran Tierney is back in the lineup, it's it's a whole different game. It's a whole new dynamic because him and Bellerin really understand how to stay in those wing-back positions. And even though Kieran Tierney will be playing in sometimes that third-left center-back role, he's still pushing forward. And that's where the whole Shaka comes, thing comes into place where he has that awareness to know, okay, KT's going up. I'm going to go fill in left back because I know it's going to happen. He's he's going to be able to try to take some type of possession, make a threat with Aubameyang and Sako on that side or whoever else is playing with them on that side and see if they can get something going. But um, there was one moment in the game in the second half at the 52nd minute that I saw specifically. Gabby won a header of a free kick that was awarded to West Ham, and his clearance went right back to Sushek, or Sochek. Um, I apologize if I'm pronouncing that guy's name wrong. If someone knows the right way to pronounce it, uh, that would be nice. I mean, if you could just let me know. Um, but uh, the ball got switched from Sochek over to Isawaka, I think is his name. I, I might be butchering these names, so I apologize, guys. Uh, but he was able to play a dangerous ball from the left side into the middle for Antonio, which... Gabby was able to get in the way of, uh, which resulted in a deflection right in front of Leno to lay on top of the ball on the touchline. But that's just that's a scary moment. I mean, you got balls coming into the middle like that, and for for whatever reason, Antonio is able to get the ball on his foot from that type of cross. That's dangerous. But thank God that Gabby was in the way. He got a good deflection off of it, and Leno was able to just kind of go right on top of it. And that, you know, like I said, it's just a, a big, huge save from Leno. And so, last episode, I am so sorry that I forgot to do this, but I didn't discuss any of the substitutes that came in. I was so focused on making sure that things were set up properly and that the episode went out at all. I was having copyright issues with music and different scenarios and licenses and. I had to push back the episode, which would have originally came, or well, was supposedly going to come out last Wednesday, but I had to push it back a few days to make sure that I had all the proper things so that, look, there's no copyright infringements or any of that stuff. But going forward, I understand that I should talk about substitutes because they come into the game too. But at the 64th minute, Pep came in for William. And immediately after that, Shaka committed a fail at the 65th minute, which made our defense come back to defend. Um, a lot of pressure from West Ham, and across from the left side came down Antonio, who hit the crossbar from a header, and the ball went out to Suchek, who headed the following follow-up directly at into Leno's direction, but it was just kind of floating in the air. And what had happened was another scary goalkeeper moment. Uh, uh, Leno had to come out and jump over Ceballos 
to grab the ball, but as he fell to the ground, it was like he fumbled it like a running back from uh, American football. And he lost the ball, which resulted in Leno getting back up and blocking a shot from the ball. He dropped with his feet. Now, what happened initially was the ball dropped in front of him, and Antonio was right there. Antonio went to hit the ball, and because Ceballos was already on the ground, it hit off him. And Leno, look, Leno wasn't aware of any of that stuff happening because he was still, like, flipping over into oblivion and doing his tumble or whatever you want to call it. But after the ball came out from that deflection from Ceballos... Suchek had the follow-up, and that was the moment where Leno was able to get back up on his feet and save the ball with his foot in that moment. And again, just another scary moment, uh, miscommunication. Maybe if Leno was a little bit more vocal or loud, Tobias could have moved, or you can even scream, or somebody else can look over and just be like, hey, you gotta move. Like, what are you doing? This is what like gets people injured and stuff. Like if you hear that somebody's calling for the ball, especially your goalkeeper, and he's coming out with his hands, you better move out of the way. I mean, I played left back and center defensive mid when I was playing soccer, and anytime I heard the goalie's voice, it was either trying to shield the ball to make sure that he got it, or making sure I was completely out of his way because I don't want him getting hurt or myself getting hurt. And it just seems like there was a lack of communication in that situation, and you know, just a little fumble from Leno. But all is well. Score is still one-one. Nothing came from it, but just a scary opportunity. We can't really be giving that up for any of the opposing teams we're playing against. But you know, we'll see what happens from there. And so another sub came on at the 76th minute. It was uh, Enketia for Lacazette. And then, you know, about nine minutes after that, in the 85th minute, we had pressure on West Ham, and Ceballos gave the ball to Saka. And then Ceballos made a beautiful run through the middle and no West Ham center back picked up Ceballos when he ran in between two defenders. And because Saka was kind of coming out towards the center of the 18-yard box of the opposing team's uh, area, he was able to spot out Ceballos, not get picked up, and play the ball into his feet in between those two players. And what do you know? You got phone call ready Eddie just sitting there. Right beside Ceballos, behind the ball, and Ceballos was able to lay off the ball as he saw the goalkeeper, Fabianski, was coming out towards him. And there you go, Eddie gets a nice little simple tap in. It's 2-1 Gunners. And, I mean, just to point out again, I mean, Saka had an amazing ball from the that play. I mean, he seems to be like a nice center piece to find the gap or be able to bring in the play or the ball at his feet to try to stir some confusion and create like a nervous reaction for defenders and stuff. Because I'll tell you what, he's the kid's fast with his feet. He's able to meg people left and right. He's constantly beating people to the ball. He knows how to be aggressive he knows how to defend the ball he knows how to put pressure i mean for 19 years old he looks like he's going to be really really good and i hope that for his health and his safety he stays healthy uh, he continues to only develop further skills and i hope that we could bring in some more players that help him evolve into the real player that we would need him to be and I think that that could be coming soon, but we'll see. But, like I said, the Gunners were up 2-1 at this point, and finally our last sub came in at the 86th, or, I'm sorry, 88th minute, and that was David Luiz for Saka. Saka had a brilliant game, like I said, but I think David Luiz came in for a tactical change just to have the extra defender out there so that we can stay behind the ball and make sure that West Ham do not score any type of tiebreaker or anything along those lines but there was one play that happened in the 90th plus added minute or with stoppage time at it and 
we were on a counterattack, and Aubameyang was in the center of the pitch at midfield with two defenders, and he was able to run right in between both of them, and somebody played him a through ball that he had a nice opportunity at net, but unfortunately shot the ball right at the goalie, and, you know, when you're running that fast and stuff, I mean, it's hard to control and direct where the ball's going to go, especially if you're going for some type of power behind it. So I don't put anything behind him, but, you know, another shot of the goalie, but we don't really have too many shots in the game. It was like a clinical game, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. And the last play that I saw that was noteworthy to speak about in the 90th minute with stoppage time at it, I noticed that a ball came out to Sebastian Hilaire, and it was just coming out to his feet. He was ready to drill it. He was wide open, and what happened? Ceballos put his body on the line in the same time frame to block a shot from Hilaire, which was right in the middle, and he won a fail because in that moment, Ceballos was able to win the ball, and so Hilaire just kind of kicked him right in his ankle or leg or whatever it was, and, you know, I think that's brave. It's courageous. It shows me that you're dedicated to making sure that this team does well. You wanted to do well. You wanted to win. That's That's... That's just brownie points for me, man. I mean, I'd love to see that maybe he gets signed on a permanent basis, but I'll take the loan for now. We have him for a whole other season, and the fact that we saw that, it just shows me that he's further motivated and determined to make sure that this club becomes the best version of itself that it's been in quite a while, and I'm okay with that. But in conclusion to everything that went on with that game, like I said, we were clearly missing KT, Desperately and chose to take a clinical approach with only three shots on target and seven altogether. I think we should get a little bit more in there from time to time, but again, maybe there would have been more shots. Maybe there would have been more chances if some of our balls that were put into the middle or any ball that we had out wide trying to cross it in actually went into the box and gave some of our attacking players a chance to put a head on the ball, a foot, or anything to try and make and create a chance out of it. But we kept possession. But we can't allow ourselves to fall out of shape and let the opposing team have any breathing room. This all goes with like pressing as a unit because the only reason that West Ham were able to get their goal against us in the first half was because I saw we lost shape and people got nervous and didn't know what approach to take or what to do or what next step or play they should do or what they should tell somebody else it was it was just a little frightening in that moment but there's some things we could fix on too we also need to work on our midfield to help direct other players in a direction to move into the spaces that they want we shouldn't just expect that people are always going to move into a, uh, a certain particular part of the pitch just because you do that at practice all the time. When it's game time, it's different. Maybe, you know, Ceballos and Chaka could start opening up their mouths and be like, Hey, touchline! Like, you know, you can call it out as you're passing the ball. It's not giving it away to the opposing team. I mean, unless there's a guy sitting right there. Like, yeah, that's stupid. Again, that falls into pick up your head and look around before you start passing. Because once you start forcing balls, it gets scary. I noticed Chaka did that once in our um, defensive third. And... He almost gave the ball away to another player who could have been able to cross it in the middle or make something out of it, but uh, we got lucky, and it just kind of brushed off that guy's foot and hit it in a weird way and just went out of bounds for him. So we, we lucked out of those things, you know? It's just can't give up those small-minded plays that always end up beating up ourselves over in the end. But... Yeah, some lack of communication and awareness was present, like I said, but that was a much-needed three points going into our next match, which will be against Liverpool at Anfield on Monday, September 28th, 2020. Uh, for the U.S., it'll be on at 3 p.m., if I'm not mistaken. For U.K. and London, that'll be 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we shall see what happens there. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to see if KT will be healthy enough to play for that game. Arteta came out in a press conference before a Carabao Cup match and pretty much stated that Kieran Tierney is contention to play on Monday, so it looks like the injury wasn't as 
serious as we might have thought when it initially happened because I know that we're a little frightened that he came in with some injuries. He came in with like a hernia or a hip injury when we initially bought him last year. And then he also um, messed up his shoulder last year too. And, you know, we got to keep that guy healthy as best as we can. But overall, good performance, things we need to work on still early on in the season. We don't even know if we have our full team, if any more transfers might come in, so we shall see what happens from that point on. Now, secondly, this next part of the podcast, I'll go into the Carabao Cup match, where we played against um, Leicester today, and we won 2 nothing, and we played at uh, King Power Stadium. Sorry, I was just looking for the name of it just because I'm not good at knowing the names of everyone's stadium. I just know the Emirates and I know Highbury. I don't know that I should care about any other stadium other than those, but, you know, maybe it's just me being difficult trying to know all football stadiums. Maybe, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm a soccer junkie. I watch Arsenal all the time, so maybe I should start learning all of the different team's uh, stadium names, but I don't think it's that important. Anywho, we won 2 nothing, and the starting lineup changed quite a bit. Obviously, I felt there was a need to pull in some rotation. We saw some younger guys play, and uh, Central, we saw, uh, was Leno in the net. We were playing that 3-4-3 system. Uh, Holding was in at right center back we had louise coming at center back of the three and kolasinac started on the left center back so our back line looked the same as it did when we had um you know holding louise and kolasinac all back there i think we switched to a four towards the end of the west ham game i can't remember distinctly but it was around that type of stuff anywho first half was really slow i mean I'm not going to lie, uh, it was just a lot of up and down, back and forth, it seemed like, um, you know, if we were down Lester's throats, that would last for two minutes, and then immediately Lester would be down our throats, and it was, like I said, back and forth, up and down game, and with certain people inside positions, you know, that was expected to happen, we had... Maitland-Niles playing the right wing back. We had Mohamed Elneny in the middle of the park. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, Ceballos was new, so there was three changes to the last match. Ceballos came in for Elneny in last game's start, so that was a different maker, too. But anyways, Willock was in the middle with him, and then we had Bakaya Saka playing that left wing back. And then... We had Nicholas Pepe playing on the right wing. We had Eddie Nketiah playing striker. And then it looked like Nelson, Rice Nelson, was playing that left wing position. And let me tell you, I thought Rice Nelson had a pretty good game. There were a few opportunities where maybe he could have found a better ball to play or a pass or something along those lines. And instead he decided to be here and try to score a screamer and you know what if you have confidence and stuff i'm okay with it you can sit here and try to score and shoot all you want as long as it's going towards the net if you're to hit those like nickelback balls to go into the stands people are throwing five cents at you i mean I, <laughs> we don't need those but they were pretty much going on target uh we had a few good attempts and one of the shots was from Nelson in the third minute. Saka was playing a great ball from the left side after beating Albright, but nobody was in the middle to finish a goal-scoring touch. And that happened around the 19th minute of the game. Uh, and then there was a moment where Saka also had a play in the 26th minute where he looks as though he got knocked into the ground by a Leicester defender. And... I thought, from my view, that that was a penalty because it looked like Saka was clearly about to win the ball. It was a goal-scoring opportunity, and the defender just kind of trampled over him and, like, tumbled over him. I can't remember if it was Morgan or what. i got to start writing their names, too. But um, whatever center back was back there, he just, like, trampled over him. I, I could have swore that 
you know, that would have been a penalty. And I know that in the cup matches, there's no VAR. So I can't sit here and complain, oh, where's VAR? Blah, 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 blah. But, you know, from a ref standpoint, or even a sides linesman, like, you got to see that. I mean, it just looks like he takes out his feet from behind. And I don't know how someone's supposed to not fall from that. So it wasn't like he dove and it looked like he didn't touch the ball at all. So I don't know what decision-making went into that. It happened on the spot. Like I said, there's no VAR. So kind of just got through that without anything happening. But we want a corner around the 29th minute. Nelson had a nice opportunity. The shot at goal, but it curled left outside of the left goal post, resulting in a goal kick. Now, if I remember correctly, the ball came in, and somebody headed it out from the Leicester area because our backs couldn't get into it, or any of our center backs or big guys could get ahead on the ball. And it was kind of just left open there. The goal was wide open. There was two players that ran in front of him, but he just kind of curled it to... So he was on the right side of the net, and it curled to the left, to the left outside of the post. And it looked like it could have been an open goal. Maybe if he had his footing correct, it could have been a different outcome. But, you know, just got to get those on target. I mean, even if it goes at the net and it hits off a defender or something, that's, that's different. It might deflect into the net, but... You know, that just didn't even give us an opportunity at all, so just resulted in a goal kick. But in the 38th minute, there was a scary moment with James Madison where he went between four defenders from the left-hand corner of the 18-yard box, and he, had, he hit a chipped finesse ball to the top right corner, but it hit the the uh, post and came back out, so Leonard was able to grab that. Now... I don't know about you, but we shouldn't be able to give free open shots like that with four defenders around. I mean, someone's got to step to it, right? What are, what are you guys doing? You know, you don't allow somebody to shoot. That was one thing that I would get scolded about if I was a defender playing, and my goal would say, hey, you let that guy shoot or cross, I'm coming after you. Like, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to sit here and let you know that you made a mistake and that can't happen again, and I'm just going to yell and harp at you. And You know, I don't want to get yelled at. It makes me nervous, so... Well, it was the one thing I did. I would take one for the team, try to jump in front of the shot, put my hands behind my back, and just, if I had to, turn my head over just because I was so scared with all the concussions and my uh, personal health issues, you know. But, what are you going to do? We got lucky that it hit the post and came out, and Leonard was able to receive it and collect the ball, so we got out of that moment. But nothing really happened too much after that point on in the first half, then it ended. But the second half began... And nothing much happened until about the 56th minute, or 52nd minute, uh, where Pep and Willock found a through ball from the right side, and Pep got to the touchline, but I don't know what's up with Pep. He does not want to use his right foot. And another thing that I noticed in the West Ham game, I figured I would just add it on to talking about him individually now. He likes to dribble around a bunch of people. And it looks like he can be defender. He's, he's fast, he's slick, he's smooth, but that guy has no balance. I mean, you lightly brush him and he's falling over. He lost the ball at one point in the West End game when they were on a counterattack. And he's just kind of getting pushed off the ball and lost his balance and lost the ball at his feet. And it's just like, well, that's just a waste of opportunity of trying to either hold the ball into the corner or press an attack to go towards the net or something. You know, it's just, come on. We, we got to get out of that, especially for the amount of money that was spent on him. I have high hopes for him, but like I said, with this game and what I was even talking about to begin with, he got to the touchline, and for whatever reason, he will not use his right foot. He's always cutting back to his left foot, whether he has the open right foot across or shot. or something. Just come on, man. Just just pass it with your right foot. Do something with your right foot. You know, I, I am tired of seeing somebody get to the touchline and cut back and then allow two defenders to get in front of you so that you can't do anything other than go back or hit the ball into them, which then results in either them getting the ball or we have to set up a challenge or contest to win the ball back. It's like... Come on. Come on. Gotta start learning to use our right foot. And especially if you're a professional, man. Come on. If I was getting paid the amount of money on a weekly basis to play soccer, I would damn sure make make the time to practice using my left foot each day, even though I know I'm right-footed, just so that 
like you've been dynamic to play with both feet. I mean, if you can't pass or cross with your weaker foot, I think there's an issue that needs to be addressed, and maybe that's a reason that Arteta won't really start him for bigger matches and instead plays him with rotation with all the other younger guys. But, you know, it is what it is. But there was a good press from... Um, Rice Nelson right after that, and the ball came out to Enkedia, but nothing happened of it. Uh, enough defense was able to come back, and I think he just shot it out and ended up resulting in a goal kick. But, you know, that's something that I got to voice out. Or uh, Rice Nelson put in a shift today, whether you want to sit there and say it was crap or awful for shooting the ball a few times when he could have passed or played a different ball to somebody else and try to create a different chance. I truly believe that he put in a shift and whether or not he ends up going on loan, I think it's good that he would get any type of playing time, but I think he could really fight for a position on this team. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I thought that Rice Nelson's performance was a little bit more encouraging than Pep's, but you know, to each their own. Right after that happened, um, <laughs> Pep was sent a through ball at the 56th minute and was able to take on two defenders to beat them and then shot at the goalkeeper ward. And the ball came right back to Pep off of that reflection. And, oh my gosh, he finally used his right foot. So I know that I complained about him not using his right foot, but he used his right foot to hit the ball and the ball hit off the post, and then back out off of um, the defender or midfielder Fuchs. And then it went in to create the one nothing to Arsenal. And, you know, it was big. We needed that. And it was good to go up a goal. Uh, both sides, it could have easily been a draw. I thought it could have went penalty shots from both sides, but I'll take it. I'll take it, and it kind of built up some confidence for him, too, to see that that happened for him. So... Hopefully that all means well. I hope he can start to learn and use his right foot a little bit more. I th honestly think that he might have more goals or chances created if he used his right foot between now and the time that he signed for Arsenal than what you see on paper, which makes the statistics so, you know, they look bad to look at, especially when you're paying over $80 million for this guy. I mean, I'm going to say dollars because it's uh, just American U.S. terms, but I think it was like... 78 pound, I think is what it is, but whatever. Any cost of money that, you know, is substantially high and you are the record signing, you gotta you know how to use both your feet. So let's hope that he can improve on that. Maybe our title is still some type of training process where he uses both of his feet going forward, and we'll see what goes on from there. But. A sub came on at the 71st minute, and it was William for Nelson. Like I said, Nelson had a shift. Another sub came in at the 77th minute, and it was Tobias for Willock. And then the last sub came in at the 86th minute, and that was Bellerin for Saka. Now, at the 89th minute, Bellerin was given the ball by Leno after possession was killed off by the Leicester attack. And... He saw an open ground in front of him and started dribbling the ball. And he had a nice play with Pep where Pep gave the return ball to Bellerin off the sideline. And Bellerin was able to run straight down to the opposing team's 18-yard box from the right side. He took on two men, beating them both to play the ball towards the net. Well, the ball was left in front of the net. And Enkedia was just sitting there and trampled over the defender that was just laying on his ass for whatever reason. I guess maybe they thought there was a foul or something, but hey, we'll take that because Sokka's foul wasn't called, so maybe that was like the payoff or return, but Nketi was able to go over that defender and beat the goalkeeper ward to the ball and put it into the right lower corner into the net to make it 2 nothing. And that's a great win, you know. You always want to see that your team's winning. It builds momentum and starts to build a mentality inside the players' heads that they could take week in and week out with them. I mean, when you lose, everyone kind of loses a little bit of confidence. When you win, everyone builds more confidence. You know, it's just it's one of those things, just how the mental aspect of the game works. And a win is a win. And we'll be going into the fourth round of the Cup. I'm not sure when the drawing will be. I think there's still games that need to be played. But we'll see who we get in the next 
draw, and obviously we'll talk about it on the show whenever that game happens. But overall, in conclusion for this game, it was slow in the first half, and the second half, things picked up. We stayed composed, got the girl goal on early on in the second half, we were able to keep that lead, only to add on to it in the final moments before the end of the game to seal it. So, it was a good result, we'll see what happens next in the cup. But, I think that's it for me. Uh, like I said, I'd love to have some hosts on the show, if people know opposing fans, or... Arsenal fans or anyone, I mean, tell them to get in touch with me. I will have all of my social media pages, links in the description. Um, you can always follow the page on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's a group page, and we'll see where we go from here. But I'm excited for Monday coming up. Um, not going to lie, I'm excited I have the weekend of myself. I'm going to be going out to... Uh, lake with my girlfriend for a little bit. Gonna take some time to relax, get a little zen, get away from the city, and you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, should be a nice, relaxing time. Oh, and we got an Airbnb, so let me tell you, this place has a hot tub. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get out of that thing, especially with the weather cooling up. Cold weather with a hot tub? Whew. This weekend might be something for history to tell, but, you know, that's for me and uh, my girlfriend. And maybe we'll see if I come back with a little story about what happened. And, um, okay, yeah, I just hope you guys have a great rest of your week and an even better weekend. I'll see you all here again next week on Wednesdays. We'll be discussing the big game, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Love and light, my friends. Until next time. Come on, you gunners! The